You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis.com Podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan here with the dynamic duo Pete Bodo and Steve Tigner. Uh, Wednesday here in New York, we're going to look ahead to this weekend's Davis Cup Final, Czech Republic in Serbia, which I, I must say it will be attended by Richard Pagliaro. He would, uh, he would be on the podcast otherwise. And we'll look back right now at the last ATP event of the season, the World Tour Finals. Pretty, pretty satisfying uh, year-end championship in your mind. You know, what did you guys, in general, think about the whole kind of business as usual? Top two guys at the end, just like we've seen all year. I was thrilled nobody used the London Calling headline. Finally, <laughs> so sick of that cliche. I think, we had, I, think we had, I think we had slants on that headline. I so almost I did. Oh, you almost did. It. So it doesn't count. Hey, you admitted it, though. That's big of you, Steve. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I think, you know, what's interesting to me is the gap is as big as ever, if not bigger. Uh, we may be looking at a big two, not a big four anymore. Of course, we'll see how Murray does when he comes back, but you never know. He's going through back surgery, and Federer clearly has slipped. There's no, no, you know, you can't, you know, keep the wolf from the door much longer on that one. And uh, one of the things that I haven't really... I'd like to write about this one of these days, but you know, it looks like the surface thing is really coming into play again. It was a little for a while; everyone was thinking it's going to be an all-surface game, and it wouldn't really matter. But it's almost like it's really being partitioned off again. You know, the way Djokovic dominated in the fall on hard, and then especially on indoors, and in Dahl, the way he dominates on clay. So to me, it's a little bit like this dream of one world, one game, and stuff hasn't really happened. And you know, that's okay. But there was a lot of talk about fast surfaces actually in the news too during during the tournament. I don't know if that's what you're getting at. Where some players wanted to see that faster. Uh, I think for this time of year, be ro- be resurrected a yeah, little bit, I like it was in Bercy a couple of years ago. This tournament and was a little slower this year. I think some people didn't like that. I think that helped Djokovic and Nadal. But like Pete said, I, that's that's the thing I thought after this tournament is how far ahead Djokovic and Nadal are from everyone else. You know, Murray wasn't there, so that you know that's to the side. But as far as the people were there, you know. Djokovic and Nadal had dominated the whole year, won eight of nine Masters. They went undefeated in this tournament. And nobody, you know, they, they lost a couple sets, but I, f- I feel like that was almost from their bad play. Like, when you look at the fourth guy in the semis, Vavrinka, he's never won a set from Nadal. He's <laughs> lost 14 straight to Djokovic. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, you know, pretty serious gap um, right now. Right now, Maybe you would say Del Protro could fill that, but he also showed it. He doesn't seem like he's ready to that, do that, that either. That, that was one of my things, which I mentioned, and you brought into your piece on on, Mon- on Tuesday, was really where Del Potro kind of fell off the pace, and I thought it was pretty disappointingly so in that he was not able to even just get to the, the semifinal stage of this event after having Federer, who it would seem after watching so many of Del Potro's really high moments, you, you think he's ready to kind of pass him in that arms race. But, you know, I think just as we've seen a few times this year and really since his surgery, you know, since his sort of second stage of his career, you know, it, it still doesn't look like he he's not able to bring it at the most critical times. And, you know, we still see Federer able to do that on occasion. Murray is clearly ahead of him. And, and Del Potro is in kind of a, 
uh, undesirable spot, I think, going into 2014. He's a little like Sisyphus, you know. He keeps rolling. He comes within, you know, like within an inch of the mountaintop when he gets the big win over Federer and then wins, you know, like you know Wimbledon by beating Nadal or Djokovic in a final. But he gets really, really close, and then mm-hmm. a big rock rolls right back down the hill, and he's got to go start again. He's, it's kind of puzzling. I'm not crazy about his game. I find I, his game is sort of a little boring. I think, and I don't very think straightforward. I mean, yeah, I very like, straightforward. I like to watch him because I like him. I like his personality. I wish he would do better. I was pretty surprised that he lost. Um, from 3-0 in the third to Federer. And he he seemed more disappointed than normal than Del Potro did. He said afterward, you know, maybe there is just something that those top guys have that's above the rest of us. You know, he sort of felt like Del Potro usually takes a loss pretty well, but he looked... He looked especially disappointed in this one, in, in the way the season had ended for him. Oh, yeah. by the way, while we're ba- we're you know we're, we're bashing for Rink a little bit, his record here, but I mean, I think the guy's got so much talent. I mean, you know, we always knew that, I guess, but just watching him this week, and Jimmy Arias made a wonderful comment about him. I think I think Arias is a terrific commentator, and he said something about one of Rink's problems that's keeping him back from getting these bigger wins is that he's got these great shots, but he doesn't know how they affect his opponent. <laughs> And it's really kind of true, you know. He doesn't really know how to put together and and follow up what he's doing with that. But I mean, look, I mean, people talk about Gasquet's back, and I'll take Vavrinka's back and over Gasquet's, you know, month of Sundays. I mean, it's the guy is just, I think, spectacular. I think talented. overall it was a pretty good tournament, really, for Vavrinka and Federer. Truthfully, I mean, Federer where he was a few months ago to you know to get back to that spot there. I think for those two, it was a pretty good run. I mean, but I agree that Djokovic and Nadal, the, the separation really does seem like it's continues to widen here and you know to you guys you know with Djokovic now having won 22 straight he wins effectively three Masters tournaments in a row plus a win in a loaded Beijing tournament beating Rafa in that final um, you know how much does this fall run for Djokovic to your mind change your perception of his entire year if at all because one thing I can't get over about Djokovic and he continues to reinforce this when he talks is you know after the Aussie Open at the at the majors, which is the currency that really they only want to dabble in, you know, at this point, you know, he had those two somewhat disappointing finals at Wimbledon in the Open, and you know he was not able to get the win over Rafa and the French from a pretty strong position at one point there. So I don't know, you know, I think his perception of his year is still it was kind of you know missed opportunities, but. Does the fall change your thoughts of how he's funny when you think of the if he hadn't run into the net at the French Open he might have finished number one for the year you know he was in a really strong position there overhead the smash there yeah Yeah. but I think he um, it did change my perception I think he almost seemed freed up after he he's you know wasn't number one anymore his his attitude seemed to change like he wasn't defending being number one he played much you know much better looser tennis through the through the end of the year and I think one big thing is him winning. The final of the World Tour final, he'd you know he'd slipped up like you said in the U.S. Open final, the Wimbledon final, French Open times. He'd lost the big matches this year, and those were the opportunities. But he, this was a big one, not quite like that, but this was a big one that he won, beating Rafa. It would have really put a damper on his entire fault, truthfully, right. if he, if he win all those and then at and the end, it would have been another right. you know evidence of him not quite you know not winning the big match, but he did. So I, I feel like it does change the way he'll go into the new year. Yeah, I think that's probably For accurate. I mean, you know, the thing is, the funny, you know, the irony is a guy wins 22 matches in a row and he loses his number one ranking. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. There's if you want if you want to criticize the ranking system, 
and the way it works and you know you, you can look at that right there i mean it's it's kind of funny i don't i don't have a problem with it frankly but but it's just one of those things yeah it's t- tough to argue you know against uh, of course nadal what he did this year for all that and just chopping up points all that and you know one of his best seasons ever comparable i think as we've said to Djokovic is 2011 and um Obviously, a pretty good year for. Yeah, but what about this? What about this? Before we leave that, what about this? Nadal not winning the World Tour Finals ever? I mean, does that matter to you, Steve? <laughs> if he never wins it, I mean, I th- I feel like the having won all the Grand Slams that takes care of that takes care of. There's no holes in his record to me, but it is odd, and it is something. It is something that you know. In fact, the Federer has six of them, and Nadal has none. You know that is something to think about, something to consider in the overall. Thinking in a sport like this, when we we still seem to be unsettled on who is, you know, this this parlor chat of the greatest player of all time. When you have these comparisons between so many players, we're going to get to those points where you have to find little disparities between one or the other, and that will be one brought up against Nadal. You know, for whatever you think of the world of the season-ending championships. but he has, you know, he has an Olympic gold. He has lots of other achievements that you can see. Davis Cup. Davis yeah. Cups. You mean. Incredible Davis Cup record, exactly. Um, so it, it's, it, it remains his last, uh, you know, it, it really his last tournament of great. And he would, say, he would say that the surface has hurt him, that it should, they should occasionally play it on clay, and he probably would have won one. But I agree with that, actually. I, I, I I'm, think on, it should I'm be, on his side on that I one. think it should be played on clay now and then, you know, at least some of the time. He, he makes a good point. But um, it's not like he's had really struggled forever on hard courts. He, you'd think he would have won one of these somewhere along the way, even on hard courts indoors. Though he's only won one indoor tournament his entire career, which is amazing. Out of sixty, yeah, it's indoor. The big difference is indoor, not not, not even the hard court. And the other thing is, as we're saying, it's it's the height of the bounce. It's not even so much how fast the balls travel through. It's the height of the bounce. He can't get that big jump, and. You know that that really hurts him. And that a guy is who more can, than anything to who can take it early and take it on a low bounce and 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 hit a fairly flat ball and you know and come forward or or be really aggressive is going to have an advantage. Yeah. Well, we mentioned Davis Cup. We'll get right now into the this weekend's final starts Friday. Um, Czech Republic in Serbia, uh, and Djokovic will finally end his season there. Another player who played in London, Burdich, will be there for. The Czechs. So if they, you know, if those two match up, they'll play on Sunday as the top two singles men. Tipsarvich, we just learned today, may not be playing at all. He has a heel injury that he hasn't recovered from, and it it does nothing encouraging on that front. So Serbia could certainly be relying on Djokovic even more than they normally have, and you know, you have to, I think, give the depth, of course, to the Czechs, um, but. Saying that, uh, you know, beyond Burdich, you have Lucas Rosal, Stepanek, and Jan Hayek. Those are the so it's a very top two top heavy teams, and uh, two and both those top players have been playing all fall. There's not a lot to dis, to distinct between those two, except that Djokovic is clearly the better player of those two. So I'll give it to you guys. We were just kind of talking about who really do you think will win this final? I think it's a, you know, it's um. If you look at it from the from the Czech point of view, Djokovic is probably going to win two matches. He's probably going to beat Burdich and Stepanek. So the Czechs need to come up with um, they need to win the other match, which will probably be against a player named Bozeljak, who's ranked below 200. You figure 
they win those two matches, so it may come down to the doubles for them, and the Czechs do have the advantage in the doubles, I'd say, with Stepanek and Burdich, they've been almost undefeated in Davis Cup doubles. So really the pressure comes, I would say, in beating the play, you know, whoever plays, whoever plays with Djokovic, um, you know, I think you can almost give up those two matches to Djokovic. And it's very uncomfortable for the doubles player on, on the Serbian side. I mean, not only, I mean, Zimancic has had issues. He's a wonderful doubles player, but he's had issues in Davis Cup. And then I think when you put him next to the best player in the world, that's really intimidating. I think that's a that's a real disadvantage, I think, for the for um, the Serbians. I agree with Steve about that totally. I mean, I think you got to give both singles to Djokovic, but then the doubles is going to be kind of decisive, which is one of, one of the wonderful things about Davis yeah. Cup. It it doesn't seem to me like I'm more like I'm concerned about Djokovic from a from a fatigue point of view. Even though he played on, he'll actually have played on Monday and Friday this week because the London right. final was pushed ahead. But even though he's had four straight tournament wins and has really played, this will be I think his fourth week in a row of tennis. You know, this week not a true tournament style playing from like Wednesday on. I just not I'm not getting a sense of anything other than what you're saying about Djokovic taking, you know, playing as well as he has been to this point. I mean, he and he looked fantastic against Nadal. He generally doesn't mess around in Davis Cup either. He usually no. he usually plays pretty efficiently. I don't see any fitness problem for him unless he somehow gets in an epic first singles match and then also plays doubles and then singles again. But short of that. He's, he, I think he'll be fine. He's on a roll. I mean, look, he's going to be emotionally sky high. I mean, I think, you know, as we were saying before with the World Tour Finals, what that, what winning that match did for him, you know, I think I think, I think, think he sort of saved his ear with that match, very honestly. I think it would be a very different year for him if he'd lost that match. So now, you know, it's now he's going to play with house money, and, you know, he's kind of a ham, and he loves his loves his country, and he's, got a, he's going to have all these adoring fans around him. It's going to be He very, plays well in Davis Cup, really Absolutely. Well. Yeah, I mean... Is there any any thought any word on Burdich? We haven't mentioned him even for one second. We talked about the World Tour Finals and the Davis Cup Final. Any any thoughts on uh, the tall? He's track? also a, you know he's a good Davis Cup player too. I can't see him beating Djokovic. He just has a bad matchup and he has he's a bad attitude in that match. But I don't think he's going to lose to the other Serbian player. And I think he and Stepanek will be the favorites in the doubles. So mm-hmm. you know Burdich is definitely going to play a big role. I mean, Burdick is, you know, he's such a spoiler by nature, I think, that, you know, that what, what he's good for is to screw, he's good to screw up a tournament. He's good to screw up, you know, the right. dream final by win, beating one of the guys, whatever. And then Stepanek is, a, is such a gamesman. I mean, this 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 has got to be one of the least loved Davis Cup teams and other than by the Czech Republic people in, in history. I mean, these guys these guys are kind of wacky. You, you also have to look at his fitness, too. If he plays, Stepanek will probably play three matches. Um, you know, he's over 30, that's, that's something that could come into play on the last day if he has to win the whole thing. And I will say, though, you remember that Stepanek last year won the fifth match of the final against Almagro. Mm-hmm. So he has, if, if what you guys, it, it seems to me like you're kind of splitting the top the first four matches for the most part. And if it does come down to Stepanek against you know whomever Serbia throws out there, assuming it's not Tip Sarvic like we're saying, you know, Stepanek does he has that card and that he's played and has won. You know that. Yep. Yeah, but how many of those do you get in a lifetime if you're like a guy in that in, in his level? You know what I mean? How many hero moments do you, are you entitled to? In a yeah, lifetime? he might not be entitled to two. I know, Stepanek. <laughs> The other thing that I wonder is, you know, I mean, I don't know the nature of Tupsarevich's injury, but look, it's the last event of the year. He's going to be off until January. I mean, we've all heard of cortisone, right? It's a heel injury, so 
you know, uh, you know. Obviously, if he gets, it's risks, tough to imagine him it, having a bigger moment really in his career. That he, I mean, he, I think he made the World Tour Finals last year. Is that right? But I mean, it it, it seems like this would be potentially, you know, the biggest match he could play in the first in the rest of his career. Really, so. but he struggled. He struggled this year He's powerfully. Year. So you got to wonder if you know. I mean, how, how does he? How would he feel going out there with his confidence and the condition it's got to be in to yeah. have to play a fifth? tie, you know, fifth rubber in front of his home crowd. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't play especially well when they won it in 2010. That's right. Troiki, One thing Troiki is that potentially if it goes five and, you know, he would have he could be rested those two days entirely going in there playing against someone maybe a Stepanek who's been playing for three days straight. So that's another. Those guys have a history too. That could be fun. That's right. Yeah, shoot him up with cortisone, send him out there, <laughs> let it roll, let's see what happens. <laughs> exactly. Cortisone off the hand too as you're, as you're alluding to there. Um <laughs> So that's uh, that's the look at the Davis Cup final. We'll be back next week to look back at it. Fi- the season will truthfully be over with after this point. Um, exhibitions aside, and, and other activities in December. And like I said, Rich Pagliar will be out in Belgrade with reports Thursday through Sunday. Check them out on tennis.com. Thanks for listening again to the podcast. You've been enjoying tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.